Hi. Hello. Welcome. Oh, have you heard the good news about um, people named Josh? Is this the Josh fight? Yeah, um, my name is not Josh. My name is Sophia, and I use she, her pronouns. Uh, my name is Cat slash Dylan, and I use they, them pronouns. Um, and apparently, people named Josh battled it out with pool noodles in Nebraska to find out who was top Josh. Incredible. Oh, I know. This is, like, easily one of my, one of the, one of the best stories of, you know, next year for New Year's, we should get, we should make a tier list of all of our yes. favorite um, stories of the of the year. And I know we're not covering this for our, like, full story this week, but I think this one should be in the running because it's so funny. But basically, this person on Facebook, I'll give guys the, the TLDR, the too long, didn't read. Um, basically, this person on Facebook... Mm-hmm picked I think essentially like random coordinates and sent them to um everybody named Josh Swain his name is Josh Swain and sent them to every Josh Swain on Facebook incredible (laughs) every person named Josh Swain he could find on Facebook and challenged them to a and then picked random coordinates um, and then, um, which also happened to be Nebraska, yes. and then challenged them to a pool noodle fight to find out who would be top Josh. So, um, I forget who ended up being, oh. It was the little um, boy, right? It was a four-year-old boy with a red noodle. Uh, but he, it, it's not just Josh Swain's, but it's it's apparently all people named Josh are eligible. Um, Joshua Vincent Jr. was named the ultimate Josh at the Josh Off, according to the Lincoln Journal Star. The event also raised money for the Children's Hospital and Medical Center Foundation of Nebraska, and the attendees brought food and supplies uh, for local banks, according to the Journal Star. So this is just really... That's amazing. I googled Josh to look at pictures and they're wonderful and um so it's like Josh fight event and then like a a thing about the internet meme but then all of the results are about this man named Anthony Joshua who is apparently some a heavyweight champion oh my god (laughs) and I was like what many Josh's because I was expecting it to be about the Josh fight Many Joshes dueled with pool noodles. Some simply competed with rock, paper, scissors in the battle for Josh supremacy. Swain said people came from all over the country. Some even flew in. Joshes from South Dakota, Texas, and New York participated in the Josh Royale. We're all real desperate for human interaction, huh? Yep. Yep. I know, like, Quidditch is a thing that people take very seriously as, like a sport i don't think they do actually well people in i can't believe I'm about to, these were people who play quidditch competitively no i don't think they take it seriously either because i don't know if you remember this i just started i tried to start a quidditch club in high school but and i, I did feel a like that's ha- 
fuck ton of research and nobody takes Quidditch seriously, not even okay, very serious I, Quidditch people. Am I wrong? Okay, because I was under the impression that they did. I mean, they... That some people did. They... I mean, it's, it's, it's hard because legally the Stitch can climb a tree if they feel like it. Nice, okay. So, like... The the rules are This th- person has a pool noodle attached to a drill. <laughs> <laughs> oh um, man. Yeah. But the 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 thing about Quidditch is um because there's no magical flying stitch, the stitch is a person and the rules for the stitch are very limited. There are very few rules for a stitch. Which means uh, in early professional Quidditch matches, the Stitch would like go and get a get in a taxi. Oh my god! Um, eventually, they they were like, okay, we need bounds. But now the Stitches tend to be like parkour experts. <laughs> That's actually pretty cool. Scale buildings or whatever, and it's it's hard to be like this is a serious sport when the only way for the game to end is for. A bunch of people who have to keep a broom between their legs at all time to scale a nearby building. <laughs> okay, yeah, you you do make a fair point there. Yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, but this has a similar energy to people who play Quidditch. Yeah. I guess I was probably going to say that there's something about they take it seriously, though, but a, a I guess A silly not. thing taken seriously as far as you can take a silly thing seriously. Yeah. In both cases. Apparently he messaged Josh, the original Josh who started this all, messaged the group, you're probably wondering why I've gathered you all here today. And then one of the other Joshes messaged because we all share the same name. So that is our introductory story. I mean, like, what would you do? Um, so we have a friend who was added to something like this. It wasn't for a fight. It was just all of the people who shared this friend's first and last name got put in a Facebook group together in high school, I think it was. Wait, which friend? Message me in the chat. Um, I mean, I can say the friend's first name, probably. It was Hannah. Really? Yeah. I didn't know this. I don't know if she... I know for a while they would all just chat in this giant group chat on Facebook. All of these Hannahs. Interesting. Um, I can't remember what Hannah's last name is. I do know what it is. Um, yeah. Oh, I know what it is. I remembered. I figured it out. That's so that's so interesting. Um I am should I go to do you have anything more to say? Uh not that I can think of. I don't know if I would show up to a fight of all of the other me's out there. I don't know how many there are. <gasps> oh, uh, what was that website? How? How common is your name or whatever? Yeah. Hang on. I'm curious now. Not how Como. How Cuomo <sighs> is your name? Not how common is melanoma. <laughs> <laughs> I typed in how call. And it was like, how common is your name? <laughs> uh, no, I just did. I did a. I did a goof. Uh, how many of me dot com? There we go. 
Yes, I am older than 13. Sophia, last name. A little while ago, we looked up how, um, we looked up like how many seconds old I am. Mm -hmm. Apparently there are two people of my name in the United States. Me and I assume one other. Cool. That's fun. I am to try, sorry, um, spell my last name. Are you 13 years or old or older? Yes. <laughs> there, are, there are fewer than one people in the U.S. named Cat, my last name. There are, how, wait, repeat that. Fewer than one. <laughs> well, you. It's not legally. Oh, yeah. Let's see my legal name. Wow, I am 18 8, people with my legal name. Interesting. I am 8,021 days old. Let's try, let's try Dylan. There's one person in the United States named Dylan, my last name. It's not me. Oh, I am 21.959 years old. I wait, hang on, I knew that. Approximately. Oh, wait, I want to know, when will I be 2,000 days old? Not for a while. Um, more than 99.9% .9 of people with the first name Dylan are... The, the sentence ends there. <laughs> I like how we're on two different trains of thought right now. Absolutely. My birthday's on a Friday this year. Um. Wow, my next birthday's in 15 days. Everybody wish me a happy birthday. How many minutes old am I? Oh, I don't know what time I was born. No, you don't need to know exactly what time. Wow, my one... Th I will be 10,000... I will be 10,000 days old on October 6th, 2026. I feel like that's a big... I feel like that should be celebrated, you know? Mm -hmm. I feel like that's bigger than a birthday. Also, sorry if I feel... If I sound and am doing not good funnies this week. I... Finals. Right? That, yes. And... I've been chipped. Ah... I got my second dose of the vaccine on Wednesday. I am approximately. Oh my god! It it keeps counting because it's in seconds. Um, I'm approximately seven hundred thousand. No, seven hundred million seconds old. Damn. Okay, I missed my eight thousandth day anniversary. It was on April fifteenth. Ah. I missed it by, like, 21 days. I think that's quite rude. Um, are you ready for our first story? Yeah. Um, so this article comes to us from the New York Times. It is by uh, Corinna de Fonseca Wolheim. Um, 
and it was published on April 9th, 2021. It is Making Music Visible, Singing in Sign. A new project is producing sign language covers of 10 seminal music works recorded by black female artists. Hang on. Say that again. I got a notification. I... uh, (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. It's that kind of week. (laughs) Say that again. Uh, I heard that it sounds cool. Making Music Visible, Singing in Sign. A new project is producing sign language covers of 10 seminal music works recorded by black female artists. That's dope as shit. I said it and you didn't react. And I was like, I feel like this is the kind of thing Sophia would be interested in. (laughs) That's really, really cool. Um, On a recent afternoon in a brightly lit studio in Brooklyn... In Brooklyn. I thought it was going to say something more about Brooklyn. I don't know why. Brooklyn, New York? Yeah. On a recent afternoon in a brightly lit studio in Brooklyn, Mervyn Primo O'Brien and Brandon Kazan Maddox were filming a music video. I don't know why I struggled with the words music video. Um, They were recording a cover version of Midnight Train to Georgia, but the voices that filled the room were those of Gladys Knight and the Pips, who made the song a hit in the 1970s. And yet the two men in the studio were also singing with their hands. Hey, New York Times. (laughs) This is a really cool thing. This is a really cool thing. Can you not make it sound the way that you are? (laughs) Hey, New York Times. This is like really cool and like pretty pivotal. Um, And like, more music needs Can to be you not make the articles the the paragraphs in the middle of this article sound clickbaity. Can you like not make it sound like this is very like inspo porny of you like oh they're singing with their hands isn't that so special? Can you it's sign language. Yeah. I I literally thought it said signing and I was like the N and the G are in the wrong order. They're signing with their hands. Yes they and yeah. then I realized it said singing. Um, uh, Primo O'Brien is a deaf actor and dancer. Kazan Maddox is a hearing dancer and choreographer who is, thanks to seven deaf family members, a native speaker of American Sign Language. Their version of Midnight Train to Georgia is, a part, is part of a 10-song series of American Sign Language covers of seminal works by black female artists that Kazan Maddox is producing for Broadstream, an art streaming platform. Um, around the world, um, it looks really cool. I would say, check it out. Um, around the world, music knits together communities as it tells foundational stories, teaches emotional intelligence, and cements a sense of belonging. Many Americans hear me typing. I am looking it up. Many Americans know about sign singing from moments like the Super Bowl, when a sign language interpreter can be seen, if barely, which like. See, the New York Times does know what's going on. Why did you say it like that earlier? When a sign language interpreter can be seen, if barely, performing the national anthem alongside a pop star. Uh, But as sign language music videos proliferate on YouTube, where they spark comments from deaf and hearing viewers, the richness of American Sign Language, or ASL, has gotten a broader stage. Music is in many... (sighs) I can't read today. Music is many different things to different people. Alexandria... Wales, a deaf actress and dancer, told me in a video interview using an interpreter, 
Wales performed the Star Spangled Banner at the 2018 Super Bowl, and last year drew thousands of views on YouTube with her sign language contribution to Sing Gently, a choral work by Eric Whitaker. Um, I realize, she added, that when you do hear, not hearing may be seen... I can't read today. When... I realize, she added, that when you do hear, not hearing may seem to separate us. But what is your relationship to music, to dance, to beauty? What do you see that I may learn from? These are conversations people need to get accustomed to having. A good ASL performance prioritizes the dynamics, phrasing, and flow, the parameters of sign language, hands, shape, movement, location, palm orientation, and facial expression, can be combined with elements of visual vernacular, a body of codified gestures allowing a skilled ASL speaker to engage in the kind of sound painting that composers use to enrich a text. Do you remember a couple years ago when there was some Pride concert and the interpreter went viral for the, like, the dance they were doing while they were signing along with the artist was that at boston pride maybe i just remember like every but i remember i saw all of these and it was just this one shaky phone cam video but it was this person decked out in rainbows doing like a really just totally it went totally viral because of how skilled a dancer this person was i just realized my fan is on and you can probably hear it and I just turned it off. But I've seen, I've been to a couple like musical theater performances where they've had interpreters and have like incorporated the interpreters into the performance um, instead of just kind of shoving them into a corner. It should Um, be completely ubiquitous and like front and center. It should be a part of every performance. I also, um, I have been to a performance where they had in, uh, they had, um, subtitles for the theater show, uh, projected on a screen above the stage, which was really cool, especially because it was an opera and I had no idea what anybody was saying, even though it was in English. I just couldn't follow because opera. Mm hmm. Yeah. It's like I, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. At the recent video shoot, Gladys Knight's voice boomed out. Oh boy, I cannot read. You're doing great. You're doing great, sweetie. At the recent video shoot, Gladys Knight's voice boomed out of a large speaker, while a much smaller one was tucked inside promote promote O'Brien's clothes so that he could tangibly feel the music. He said in an interview with Kazan Maddox interpreting. Out of sight of the camera, an interpreter stood ready to translate any instructions from the crew, all hearing, while a laptop displayed the song lyrics. I mean... Listen, it's a global pandemic. A crew. Sometimes you work with the crew you got, but it feels weird that they had an all-hearing crew to work on this. Was it filmed during the pandemic? This was recently. So I assume um, so. I don't know if that was like, what pronouns does, okay, what, I don't know if that was his choice to have a, an all hearing crew. Yeah, or, or if it just, like, that's who or like they could get to is, work on this project. Yeah, sometimes, like, people don't necessarily have the, like, people don't necessarily get to choose who they 
work with. Yeah. Um, I'm sure, I don't, I also don't know if the crew, how much of the crew knew sign language. Yeah. Um, also, here's a, here's, <laughs> here's my gripe with the American education system. ASL should be taught to everybody. Everybody should know, like, some basic sign language and mm-hmm. how to spell, everybody should know how to, their, their, the alphabet and how to count. And then base some basic sign language because it's so useful. Yeah. Your name on your have you talked about your Twitter? That comes from our friend. Oh Pizza. yeah, yeah. Um, my my nickname Cat Friend comes from our friend who is deaf. Who I was, I guess this was in high school. I wasn't in class, and he was trying to ask where I was. Well, you he would. Um, he would sit across he sat across from me in our psych class Mm -hmm. and he was asking me where you were using well it is your it's your dead name but it it was um a combination of your well it was a combination of two signs but it was the combination of cat and friend to ask where you were he was like he was asking where is cat using the sign for cat and then friend mm-hmm. to ask where you were. And I was like, what are you trying to sign at me? I was like, I got cat. And so I figured out wh- I figured out what, what he was asking, but I couldn't like quite figure out what the second sign was, yeah. but I figured out cat. And I was yeah. like, Oh, I was like, mm. um, uh. I, was like <laughs> I was like sick probably. I- because I was not there, I can only imagine it's that scene. It was just like that scene from Doctor Who where our psych uh, teacher was teaching a class and you guys were like just like literally like having a literally like having a come. No, he this this friend of ours like partially taught me the full ASL alphabet and several signs. Nothing, nothing like grammatical over the course of that semester, but mm-hmm. he taught me the full, over the course of our friendship, taught me the full alphabet, several signs, like many, many signs, um, and then would communicate with me across the classroom during class and like try to have conversations with me in ASL. And I'd be like, dude, I have no idea what you're trying to He'd like sign stuff and I'd be like, I know you're trying to ask me a question. <laughs> but I don't know what it is. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It'd be like he taught me on the bus several times. I don't remember why I was on. I think it was for band trips, like a handful of band trips. We were on the bus together, and he only taught me dirty words. Yeah, well, (laughs) that's how it starts. Um, That's how they get you. He was like, "Do you know Um, the alphabet?" And I was like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Cool, time to learn dirty words." Well, the, so the first few signs he, he taught me were quite practical because I remember we were at fencing practice and he wears CIs and his, his implants, like the, the battery was dead or they just it wasn't working or something. And I think so, he, li- he didn't like to wear them with his helmet. Yeah. He, he taught me like, yes, no, or he taught me yes, no, slow down, stop. Um, all the important things you need to know when you're, you know, attacking somebody with a sword. Yeah. Um, and then the signs for like that you would use during fencing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that was very fun. And then, you know, various dirty words. And then I found out he was telling me I was over at his house one afternoon. First of all, this is a hilarious story about him. 
Um, we went, before I went to hang out at his house, we went to the store. He picked up, <laughs> he picked up two pounds of frozen tortellini. <laughs> we went back to his house. I had some toast. He made both pounds of tortellini, ate both pounds of them. And then we, <laughs> we went to fencing practice and he was just fine. And I was like, if I ate two pounds of pasta, I would explode and die. I would need to lie on the floor for a day. <laughs> I would be dead. No, but he was okay. I've also seen him eat an entire pizza by himself. He, I don't, he's fine. He, whatever. But um, I, My favorite um, anecdote about this friend is that one of our friends who we play D&D with is roommates with this friend. Um, and every time he walks in the background, everybody on the Zoom call goes, ah! And yeah, we his all, name. Yeah, he's great. Um, wait, oh God, what was, oh, and then something I had never thought about. So he doesn't wear his, his implant. He was telling me about his alarm clock, how it sometimes shakes him out of bed. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause he's a really deep sleeper. And I was like, what do you, I was just back in like sophomore year. I was like, what do you mean your alarm clock shakes you out of bed? And he was like, well, my alarm clock is my like whole bed. Um, Cause he's a really deep sleeper. And he's like, well, some deaf people, it's like just a, like a, a vibrator. <laughs> Why did I say it? like a vibrator? <laughs> a vibrator. <laughs> Some people, some deaf people, it's just a, um, it's like just in their pillow. It's like a, um, a servo motor that it's in their pillow. Mm-hmm. But apparently he's such a deep sleeper. It needs to be like his whole mattress basically. Um, and it sh- literally like shakes the whole mattress to wake him up. Um, and he was saying, we were talking and he was like, oh, my shoulder really hurts. And I was like, oh no, like did something happen at practice? And he was like, no, my bed shook me onto the floor this morning. And I was like, what? It's like, excuse me? And he was like, yeah, I'm a really deep sleeper. So my bed sometimes like shakes me out of it. This, this friend is a very, very wonderful and genuine person. And one time when I saw him, I gave him a hug and he told me, Two compliments that are the best compliments I've ever had in my life. And they were, you smell really nice and you give great hugs. And I think about that every time I'm sad. (laughs) He's, he's great. He's great. Very blue glasses. (laughs) (laughs) He's great. Very blue glasses. I have, um... I always forget what it is. Aphantasia. I can't picture things in my head. Mm-hmm. But whenever I picture this friend, the only thing that I can like think about are those dumb fucking Yeti hats. <laughs> <laughs> and his very, very blue glasses. And um, that he's deaf. I mean, like, that's, yeah. yeah. Um, um, we're, I'm in a Minecraft server that he is also in. And sometimes <laughs> I'll be on the Minecraft server at 2 a.m. And he'll hop on at 2 a.m. and I'll be like hey and he's like I'm only here for a couple minutes but how you got how's it going we should have him on the podcast I feel like he'd bring a, a fun energy we should to have it. him on our other podcast oh yeah anyway um should we get back to the article yeah I mean this wasn't much of a tangent this is about our friend yeah who's deaf very related yeah who's also I don't know if he still does music Oh, probably. But he was in band in high school. In the song, the backup singers, here personified by Kaz and Maddox, emerge, encourage, 
oh boy. encourage Knight as she rallies herself to join her lover who has returned home to Georgia. In the original recording, the pips repeat the phrase all aboard, but as Kazan Maddox signed it, those words grew into signs evoking the movement of the train and its gears. A playful tug at an invisible whistle corresponded to the woo-woo of the band's horns. Woo-woo! The woo-woo of the band's horns. I love that. Uh, Primo O'Brien signed the lead vocals with, uh, it was like, sign the lead vocals, new line, with movements that gently. (laughs) I'm really struggling today. My brain just keeps trying to skip lines, which. um, Now you know what it's like to live in my brain. Uh, Primo O'Brien signed the lead vocals with movements that gently extended the words, just as in the song. On the drawn-out O of Not So Long Ago O-O, his hands fluttered into his lap. The two men also incorporated signs from Black ASL, specifically. Uh, The hands have their own emotions, Primo O'Brien said. They have their own mind. Uh, Deaf singers prepare for their interpretations by experiencing a song through any means available to them. Many people speak about their heightened recept- recep- receptivity to the vibrations of sound, which they experience through their body by placing speakers on their body. As a dancer trained in ballet, Primo O'Brien said he was particularly attuned to the vibrations of a piano as transmitted through a wooden floor. Oh, cool. Uh, Primo O'Brien was a student at the... M- Model Secondary School for the Deaf in Washington in the early 1990s when a teacher asked him to sign a Michael Jackson song during Black History Month. Oh, no. Oh, Oh, no. Oh, no. His his first reaction was to refuse. New paragraph. But the teacher pulled it out of him. He said, and he was thrust into the limelight in front of a large audience. Then Primo O'Brien said, the lights came on and my cue happened and I just exploded and signed the work and it felt good. Afterward, the audience erupted in applause. I fell in love with performing on stage. On the one hand, I'm glad he found his passion. On the other hand, what was that teacher thinking? Yeah, on the one hand... On the one hand, it's really good that he has, like, become, a, like, an activist doing sign signing music and doing this stuff because that's really cool. Yeah. And, like, this is really important work. But on the other hand, like, hey, you're <laughs> – this is the same energy as um, one of our high school teachers during Rosh Hashanah looking at me, the only Jewish kid in the classroom, and being like, Hey, you're a Jew. What's this holiday about? And me being like, <laughs> what? I don't know. It's the Happy New Year. Um, yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah. Anyway, he fell in love anyway. with performing. <laughs> Uh, signing choirs have long been common around the world, but the pandemic has fostered new visibility for signing in music. Aiden, aided, aided, I, I keep saying Aiden, aided in part by the video focused technology that all musicians have relied on to make art together. As part of the Global Ode to Joy celebration of the 250th anniversary of Beethoven's birth last year, 
anniversary of his birth. Just say birthday. Wait, hang on. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> the 250th anniversary of Beethoven's birth. That's the most pretentious way to say birthday I've ever heard in my entire I guess life. Maybe they thought if they said Beethoven's 250th birthday that people would be like, well, he's dead, isn't he? I don't know. Um, the artist Dahlia Ihab Yunus wrote a new text for the final chorus of the Ninth Symphony, which performed by an Egyptian a cappella choir, taught elementary signs in Egyptian Arabic sign language. That's cool. Uh, Last spring, the pandemic forced an abrupt stop to live singing as choirs were particularly thought to be potential spreaders of the coronavirus. Yeah, that makes sense. Hmm, Have you seen um, band class, like band (gasps) class pictures from a pandemic era? I think so. Um, Because a lot of... um, breath reliant instruments they have come up with just oh i saw the video of the 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 flutist that one is wild the flutist yeah she puts her flute into a a whole bag oh yes i was thinking of um this is funny because my aunt and uncle are literally professional musicians um in a professional orchestra I was thinking about the the weird, weird masks. And I was also thinking about this one image where all of the students are in their own contamination tents. Oh, I'm looking at that right now. Yeah. Um, This is hysterical because my aunt and uncle are literally professional musicians. And they just spread out on the stage. Well, this was a lot of this was before they knew how six feet could help. And also like. Oh my god, all of these people who just have holes in their masks through which to stick their instruments. I'm looking at this one of the tuba. Oh, that's wild. That's wild. A a mask that wraps around the mouthpiece. Um Yeah. But you would think out of all of the music making together that like an ASL choir would probably be the easiest to contain yeah pathogens because they can wear the masks they're not aggressively expelling air through their mouths yeah they're not they don't have spit valves like uh brass instruments in response the nether uh, in in response are asl choirs also singing though oh perhaps do they sing and sign maybe i think sometimes they're just signing Okay, I, this is just proving my, my lapse in knowledge of what ASL choirs are doing. Because um, I've seen videos where they're singing and signing. And I've also seen videos where it's like the music is playing in the background, but it's mostly about the signing. Yeah, I've seen both. Um, last spring, the pandemic forced an abrupt stop to live singing as choirs were particularly thought to be potential spreaders of the coronavirus. In response, the Netherlands Radio Choir and Radio Film Harmonic Orchestra reached out to a Dutch singing, nope, signing choir to, the the fact that the words singing and signing are both used and the distinction is important is really killing me here. Oh, yeah. 
the Dutch the Dutch signing choir to collaborate on a signed elegy, My Heart Sings On, in which the keening voice of a musical saw blended with the lyrical gestures of Iwa Harmson, who is deaf. She was joined by members of the radio choir who had learned some of, some signs for the occasion. It has more meaning when I sing with my hands, Harmson said in a video interview, speaking and signing in Dutch with an interpreter present. I also love to sing with my voice, but it's not that pretty. My children say to me, don't sing, mother, not with your voice. Oh, I love kids. Kids are brutal. <laughs> um, the challenges of signing music multiply when it comes to polyphonic works like the Passion Orators of Bach with their complex tapestries of orchestral and vocal counterpoint and declamatory rec- recitatives. This is what... Recitatives? Perhaps. I was just going to say that whole sentence was like listening to two people talk about something I have nothing, no knowledge about. We're going to talk about music theory. I Conceptually, music theory is cool. In oh, actuality, yeah. I am very confused all the time. Conceptually, though, music theory is a lot of, hey, Europe did a lot of cool stuff with music. Let's colonize every other musical genre. I mean, not if it's good. It's taught by a good teacher. That's true, too. Yeah, that's also true. It's a good teacher who knows what they're doing. I'm I'm thinking about our high school's music theory teacher. Oh, yeah. I never took music theory with him, but I knew a lot of people who did. And all of my brothers took it with him. Sounded really cool. Yeah. No, if you have a a music theory teacher who actually cares and knows what they're doing, then you can have a decolonized approach to music theory. But again, like a lot of what's taught in, like, a lot of what's taught in Western institutions, Mm -hmm. a lot of it is just like, hey, look at what this old white guy did. Yeah. I know, I believe our teacher did not talk about Wagner very much which I appreciate because if you know anything about that motherfucker he sucked I Um, don't uh, Wagner was a known anti-semite so much so that and um this is just a trigger warning for anti-semitism so much so that Hitler loved him so much he played him in concentration camps oof yeah but Wagner, Wagner Wagner like basically is what people use when they talk about like any form of like musical storytelling so like leitmotif and like theme and anything of that because he wrote a big opera he's like a big opera guy he wrote the like the ring cycle that's Wagner so when people talk about like music theory and they talk about music stuff with like storytelling through music a lot of it comes from that guy but he sucks shit and is an asshole and like racist and terrible and a horrible human being and um is a jew i just hate him with a passion he's horrible makes sense and um yeah fuck that guy um early in april sing and sign an ensemble founded in leipzig 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 germany leipzig Leipzig? Leipzig. Leipzig. You say whatever you want. I don't care. It's German. 
by soprano Suzanne Hopped uploaded a new production of part of the St. John Passion that is the first fruit of an ongoing undertaking. What? Oh, you just breathed in really oh, dramatically. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I I realized that. I was like waiting for. I thought you were about to launch into a, a an explanation of what was going on because I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I'm gonna look this up though. Uh, hopped work with deaf people, with deaf people, and a choreographer to develop a performance that would render not only the sung words of the oratorio. It's by Bach. Bach. It's Bach. Uh, I was making sure I just went on this tirade about Wagner and I was just making sure it wasn't Wagner. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, that makes sense. It's Um, not. It's Bach. Not only the sung words. Wasn't that? No, Beethoven went. Beethoven is the one who went deaf. Yes. Uh, uh, But also the character of the music. For example, the gurgling 16th notes that run through the strings are expressed with the sign for flowing. We didn't want to just translate text. We wanted to make the music visible. Hop said. Uh, just who should be entrusted with the process of making music visible can be a conscientious question. Contentious. <laughs> conscientious. <laughs> contentious question. Speaking between takes at the shoot in Brooklyn. In I keep say, thinking that Brooklyn's gonna have. Sh- I because fe- it, it should be. I feel like it should be like Brooklyn, New York. You know. Um, ma'am. Ma'am? Get that butthole off my screen. Um, It's a cat's butthole. Not, wait, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> it's your... <laughs> this is a terrible predicament um, I've gotten myself into. <laughs> it's Ella the cat's butthole. Um, uh, s- speaking between takes at the shoot in Brooklyn, Primo... Primo O'Brien said that some music videos created by hearing ASL speakers lack the expressivity and render little more than words and basic rhythm. Some interpreters don't show the emotions that are tied to the music, and deaf people are like, what is that? I love this picture. I'm looking looking at the article. Mostly for the um, style. I'm looking at the article. Okay. Um, this person who is signing is wearing a beautiful Merlot-colored blouse and a matching like hat at an angle, and it's beautiful. Oh, this is Kazan Maddox signing the word relationship. Um, and then this is uh, Primo O'Brien signing gone or left or took off as a as in a person leaving. Oh, they're wearing. Uh, kind of variations on the same outfit. It's in the same color, but one is more sooty and one is more less sooty, I guess. Yeah, one looks more. One has like um, puffy sort of shoulders, puffed, puffed sleeves up at the shoulders. Yeah. Um, which there is a specific term for what those are, but they're not princess sleeves. They might be princess sleeves. Um, both men spoke of the impact ballet training had on the quality of their signing. Kazan Maddox said that when he took daily ballet classes in his 20s, his signing became more graceful. There is a porte-de-bras, which you only learn from ballet, which I was really engraving into my body, he said, and I watched my sign language, which had been with me my whole life, become more compatible with my music. Wells, too, traces her musicality to her training in dance. I'm a little more attuned... Oh, goodness. There's something in my eye. 
sorry, it just suddenly started stinging and I was like, you know? Uh-oh. Um, uh, where was I? Wallace, too, traces her musicality to her training in dance. I'm a little more attuned with the overall sensitivity to spatial awareness in my body, she said, and added, not everyone is a good singer, right? So I think you'd have to make that analogy for singers as well. And that's the end of the article. New York Times really likes to end with a quote Do you that signer? doesn't. No. It says singer. Not everybody is a. Oh, you're right. Not everybody is a good singer, right? So I think you'd have to make that analogy for signers as well. New York Times does do this thing where they end with a quote and I, it just It sort doesn't of feels, always feel like the end. I'm just like, oh, we're 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 done now. We're done now? Oh. Um This is really cool though. Um I think that again, I said it earlier, but I think that everybody should learn sign language. Just make the world a more accessible place. I always think about um, every year on social media, I see the like this, these gifts uh, circulating that are like, hey, just a reminder, uh, this is how you sign happy Halloween in case you get any deaf trick or treaters. And I feel like it should be, there should be more things that everybody knows how to say in sign language just to like be able to like communicate with deaf people. Yeah. Everybody should be able to communicate better with the deaf and hearing impaired community. Nope. Hearing impaired's wrong. I think it's hard of hearing. I don't remember. Deaf community. Everybody should be able to communicate better with the deaf community. It's just like... It's that goes back to that principle of like universal design. If our classrooms were designed universally, everybody would learn sign language from a really young age. Also... If you teach your baby, if you teach your baby sign language, mm-hmm. your baby is able to communicate with you at a much earlier age. Yeah. Because One your of kids, my... your, your, your babies can communicate when they're very little, but they don't have words yet to speak. Yeah. One of our teachers, one of our teachers in high school did this with his kids. One of my niblets knows sign language. Your what? My niblets also known as nieflings, uh, uh, gender, or also known as nibblings, um, gender neutral word for niece slash nephew. Are, are they being raised in a gender neutral? No, house? but I have many nieces and nephews and only uh. one of them's parents is teaching them sign language. Yeah. It's just like, so one of my teachers in high school did this with his kids and because Around, I don't know, like before your kids are able to speak words, they are able to sign signs. Like they Mm. are able to have enough ability in their hands to sign things like hungry and tired and bathroom. And like, and they're able to know what those words mean. And so it's like he was talking about how his, um, he, his kids like didn't, his, all of his friends who are having kids around the same time were like your kids never cry and it's like yeah because they don't need to it's like they don't need to cry to tell us when they're hungry because they can just sign 
the sign for hungry and we can feed them. Or they don't need to sign the sign. They don't need to cry when they're tired because they can just sign the sign for sleepy or sign or, yeah. or do the sign for tired because they can communicate with their parents and their parents know what they're trying to say. And it's like, that should be so ubiquitous. And it's like, I don't know why this isn't taught to parents who have, to, to all parents. I don't know why it's not like talked about in like parenting books. It's like, I mean, apparently I have, it is these days. I have two of my cousins have children. I have, I call them, they're, they're not, te- they're technically my cousins once removed or whatever, but yeah, whatever. my, my, I have, uh, now four nibblings under the age of five. <laughs> I love that. As of two just days ago, term. I have four nibblings under the age of five because one of them just got borned. What? Um, <laughs> Anyway, one of them is learning sign language because her dad read in a parenting book that it would help her communicate faster. Um, And last that I FaceTimed with her, the only sign that she knows is more. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But she'll just she'll use that like if she's hungry, she'll like point at food and sign more. If she's tired, she'll lay down and sign more. (laughs) That's really cute. She's precious. It's really cute, but it's like your kid is able to communicate with you. And I, I heard this story from a friend of mine who is um, professionally in working in disability and is also mm-hmm. disabled, was at this big, um, <clears throat> I don't want to call it a convention because that's not what it was. but um, Conference? Conference, thank you. Um, and there were several, there is a large community of deaf people there and one of them um, – one of the people who was there had uh, his kid who was like, you know how you reach a certain age and, and you don't have words, but you, you can babble. You're, you're like mm-hmm. a baby. You, you're a babbling baby. That's mm-hmm. like a thing that people say. Well, for nonverbal babies who speak in sign language, they babble in sign language. That's really Which I think is like the, first of all, very interesting. And second of all, absolutely just as adorable as babbling with spoken words um and i think it's just very very cool and very cute that like language expresses itself in the same way no matter if it's verbal or nonverbal. and i just think that's very very neat and very interesting um sorry i was a little bit distracted because i was trying to find because you said did you have something through the middle bit I did not. I do not. Okay, because I have something from the middle bit, and I was trying to find also, it. Also, I need to make a correction. The Met Gala did not happen this week. They announced oh. the the thing, um, but I have something to tell you after we finish recording, because I have thoughts about it. Okay. Um, but the theme is, like, American fashion, which I am so... Like, through the ages, right? Yeah, it's Yeah, it's American fashion through the ages. I fully, fully want somebody to show up in, like... 90s well i want somebody to show up in like a juicy couture Excellent. velour tracksuit but i also really want somebody to show up in something from like the 1800s like a quaker pilgrim mm-hmm. no, not a pilgrim because that's that's nasty um but a quaker because yeah. the quakers are cool I mean, I mean the puritans did have a rad sense of weird style 
The Puritans are cool. They're buckled hats. The Puritans had a cool look, but the I don't know if I want like they colonial commit atrocities. The, the colonialist thing, unless somebody is making an, an every active... single person, every single group of people. Not the Quakers. True. The vast so majority of people throughout American history committed atrocities. This is why I said the this is why I said the Quakers. Yeah. The Quakers were cool. Unless somebody is making like an active commentary on that style of fashion that they are wearing from like the colonial era, then I'm like if you're trying to do something with it, like go for it. But like if somebody I swear to God, if somebody shows up in fucking antebellum South look dead, go to jail. Directly to jail. You I'm know someone's that, gonna. I'm doing that TikTok that that sound from SNL, the the Fred Armisen. That, mm-hmm. d- directly, no, that's from Parks and Rec. Oh, you're right. Directly to go to jail. Directly to jail. That or like um, I don't know. Just oh, but I was uh, so I was scrolling through my like my news thing to try and get back to the article that I saw earlier, um, for the middle bit, just so I would have it ready. Um, and I scrolled past something that is just baffling to me. Okay. This isn't good news. I'm going to warn you now. I Well, I, I don't know what it is. Teen accused of rigging vote to become homecoming queen will be tried as an adult. Huh? What? What? What, For, what is the crap? Like, I understand what? that it's not good to rig homecoming queen vote but is there a real crime in there yeah what's the crime what is what is the crime what okay what are they are they being tried as an adult in school court (laughs) i don't know i'm so confused i'm like i'm just trying to find okay what the fuck? Her her mom lost her job. Or her mom was suspended from her job for helping her. Huh? Win homecoming queen. What? Oh, her mother was assistant principal of a school in the district. Oh, this is like this goes all the way to the top. So I guess I guess like if you're rigging homecoming queen and you work at the school, that's grounds for suspension. But like what what is the crime that this what, girl committed to get her tried as an adult? Like what, are, what crime in the is, legal What crime is she committing? In the legal system. What does it say more? I know we're not supposed to it, give any more context. Well, this is not the middle bit. This is cat got distracted. Oh, okay. Can we move to the middle bit? Yes. Um sorry. I, I just I'm trying to figure out what she's being tried for. Also, I'm really happy that our school never had homecoming. Didn't my didn't our school have homecoming? Just nobody cared because there no. was a homecoming football game, and we I believe there was a dance. Just nobody no. g- went to it because nobody went to the dances at our school. Are you sure? I know we like we had prom and everything, but like, did we actually have a homecoming? Because was I feel like it was never advertised or anything like that. I googled our high school and homecoming, and it's all about the football games. I know we had a football game, but it was always, it was always us versus the same team every single year. But we never had like 
I would always see in like teen movies, it was always like the homecoming dance. And I was always like, we never have that. So I never know what homecoming is. What even is that? Is it like people coming home for fall break? Is that supposed to be what it is? I don't know. What is homecoming? The fuck is homecoming? S- fuck you, homecoming. Um. Fuck you, homecoming. What the hell are you? Do you have something for the middle bit? I have one. I I do have one. Okay. Uh, yes, you can follow uh, us on social media at HYHTGN Podcast on Twitter. Uh, or send us an email at HYHTGNpodcast at gmail.com. Um, leave a review for us on iTunes. We would love that. Five-star review for us on iTunes would be much appreciated. Um, remember to drink your water. You need it to survive. It's very good for you. You can hear that shit sloshing around. Um, I don't have much else to say. Did you find the thing? I I did. Great. Um, turns out Jeff Goldblum's a quote unquote absolute badass at playing Dungeons and Dragons. (sighs) That's from Gizmodo. Yet another reason to love him. I rewatched Thor Ragnarok the other day. <sighs> and he and Taiko Atiti's character Korg are my favorite parts of that movie. Just the I just the blatant like the blatant it's so bisexual. Well, I was gonna say the the implication that he is fucking Loki is so I like I thought I had like that the grandmaster is yeah you mean? like that the grandmaster is fucking Loki. Absolutely. I thought I had remembered it like more extremely than it was, but like it's blatant. No, it's pretty. It's I as mean, blatant as in, they could do it in a Marvel movie. And I know in the comics, Loki is canonically bisexual. Yes, and gender fluid. And gender fluid. Yes, um, and. I know the Grandmaster, I believe, is as well. And in the comics, the Grandmaster is also just a fucking wackadoo. At least according to my brother, um, <laughs> who's, like, read some of the comic lines that he's involved in. And I I want to know why they... I know, I mean, I, I want to know how they got Jeff Goldblum. Were they, here, were they just basically like, hey, Jeff, you want this fancy robe and some blue eyeliner? <laughs> And like, just have fun with it. Like, Do you was want to that be king bitch of this p- trash planet? <laughs> was that like the, was that like the the pitch that they gave I Jeff Goldblum? Know. There's, there's the a thing bit. Is the, the Grandmaster is not gone. Like he, I fully believe he is a going to be a reoccurring character. I hope so. And um. that's my <laughs> that's my thing about. Okay, and I don't want to get too off track with talking about Marvel because eventually we'll talk about it on our other yeah, podcast. Yeah, we have a lot of opinions. And I and I don't know if I've said them before, but I'll I'll summarize them quickly. Um, I like Marvel. I I have a I have a problem, but I I I I here's what I want from my Marvel. Here's my ideal Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. Um, hot dumb man. Do fun, dumb thing. Thor Ragnarok. Smart woman, be better and smart than him. Which is... she. Not, I, I don't know that I would 
I'm sure I Valkyrie, Valkyrie is brilliant. I would not. The first adjective I would use to describe Valkyrie would not be smart. Smart. Yeah. Um, it would probably be. No, hot. I was speaking. I yeah, I was speaking more <laughs> in terms buff, of drunk of, lady punch big man. Yeah, I was speaking more so in terms of um, Ant Man. Ooh, yes, yes, yes. In, in which Hope is infinitely just, smarter than the every best man. Marvel movies are the ones that really lean into the campiness of Marvel. I just the thing is, like, so many of the comics are just like a lot of the comic lines. A lot of them are yes, like serious and blah blah blah, like whatever. Have very serious, but a lot of them are in fact just like silly and fun and goofy. And I really wish Marvel would let itself be like that more. Yeah, like the I was literally watching Thor Ragnarok, and I was like, the emotional beats of that movie are so much more powerful than anything in like Infinity War or whatever because we have the levity in between and so we get the contrast. Yeah, and I also just think pacing-wise, it's so I'm so much more entertained by something like that mm-hmm. with that sort of energy about it than I am by a the constant bombardment on your senses that is the last two Captain America Civil War I hate Civil War so much movie sucks so bad but like but then on the other hand you have I mean I will throw into the I will throw maybe I will throw Winter Soldier into hot dumb man do dumb thing um (laughs) they're all hot everyone in Winter Soldier is hot like Civil War, uh, not Civil War. Winter Soldier is also a very good movie, but it's it's like a po- it's basically a political thriller at this point. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. But like, I just wish Marvel would lean way more into the camp yeah. and silliness. And just... same thing with Star Wars. Star Wars uh, is that's... a gay space opera. Why are you trying to make it a serious action movie for men? Listen, the man. That's why the Mandalorian was so much fun. It's um, just fun. And Din is a goofy, weird bisexual. And aren't I, we that's all? that's what I appreciate about him. Um, anyway, do you want to hear about um my story? Absolutely. Speaking of um fun things that should be made into at the very least an animated series. Buddy the Beefalo, adjusting to new home in Florida, escaped Penn twice after months on the run in Connecticut. So, friend of the podcast, Liz, my friend Liz, told me about this story. Mm-hmm. Um, Buddy the Beefalo, who was on the run in Connecticut for several months, arrived in his new forever, fo- forever home, a sanctuary in Florida, uh, Last Thursday, this was uh, published uh, from Channel 8 News in Gainesville, Florida on April 27th. But rescuers say his adjustment hasn't been so smooth. Buddy was on the run in Plymouth for eight months after escaping from a slaughterhouse in Massachusetts in August of 2020. (laughs) So this beefalo, which is a cross between a cow and a buffalo, which is they're basically just used for meat um escaped from this slaughterhouse and just basically went on a a basically went on the run uh, Mm. in connecticut 
Um, with uh, the help of some neighbors and the Plymouth Police Department leaving out food and keeping an eye on him, Buddy made it through the cold Connecticut winter. Buddy's saga captured the imagination of those across Connecticut and the nation. He finally arrived at his forever home at Critter Creek Farm Sanctuary in Gainesville on Thursday, April 22nd, 2021. The sanctuary posted Thursday, Connecticut's most famous Biso Moo, Moosun, um, arrived this morning. They say he was a little hesitant to get out of the trailer that he was transported, that transported him from Nutmeg, from the Nutmeg State, the Nutmeg State, is that Connecticut's moniker? I guess so. Don't, what is Connecticut's moniker? I guess it's the Nutmeg State. What's ours? What's Massachusetts? The Nutmeg State to the Sunshine sunshine State, they added. In fact, he was so hesitant that within two minutes, he had jumped the fence of the pen and had gone into the horse's pasture. On the driver's license, Connecticut is the Constitution State. Oh, I, I knew that. He's so cute. There's a video of him. Massachusetts is Spirit of America, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or Cape Cod. (laughs) The other thing it might say on your Massachusetts license plate. Yeah. They say he seemed to want to be around other cows and bulls, so they moved some into Buddy's holding pen. It worked until Buddy escaped his pen again and nearly crushed a couple of employees. (laughs) After that, he ended up in a pen with some cows and seemed content there, the sanctuary says. Critter Creek said Friday that Buddy the Biso Cow, as they uh, call him, <sighs> wow, my brain just stopped being able to read, as they call him, saying it's the most accurate name since he's a mix of a cow and a bison, not a buffalo, was significantly more comfortable in his new home. Rescuers say that they expect this exchange, this they expected this change since travel and new locations tend to stress out animals, but animals tend to relax when they are surrounded by other animals who are relaxed and happy. Captain Ed Benici Benici of the Plymouth Police Department visited Buddy at Critter Creek on Saturday and shared photos of their visit. The police department thinks everyone involved in keeping Buddy alive through the winter. His capture and transportation to Uh, who kept Buddy alive through the winter and in his capture and transportation to Florida. Uh, Thank you to everyone involved in his safe capture and transportation down to Florida, and thank you to those who donated. Without your generosity, this adventure would have been a lot more difficult to have come to a happy ending. He's really cute. Not the police officer. Fuck the cops, but, but Buddy. Buddy is very cute. Nice. Oh, I have an update for you. Wait, I'm not done. Oh, okay. Um, we have so many people to thank for his, this rescue. In particular, Captain Ed Benici, the Plymouth Police Department, and the County of Plymouth, Connecticut. Thank you all for showing Buddy compassion and care, Critter Creek said on Facebook. We are also assisted in this rescue by a significant, in a significant way by another sanctuary organization. This organization wants to remain anonymous, so we can't thank them by name, but I'd still like to acknowledge everything they did for Buddy. Not only did they transport him to us free of charge, but they coordinated his vet visit and ensured that everything was in order for his transportation. 
He's really cute. He's a big black, well, he looks like a cow, but he's not a cow. But he looks like a cow, and he's got horns that stick out to the side and a very cute black nose. Well, he looks like a bull, I should say. Oh my god, he's adorable. Buddy the Biso Cow. Nice. You have an update. I do have an update. Do you remember on March 20... On the the episode that came out in on March 27th... No. Um, we talked about a walrus. <gasps> oh my god! Yes! Um, I remember this. If you were wondering, the walrus who supposedly, who theoretically fell asleep on an iceberg and woke up in Scotland is now um, in... In Wales, right? He's in Wales, yes. I sent you a Tumblr post about it. As of April 30th, that's the most recent news article I could find about him. He's still in Wales. Seven days ago. Living his best life. Um, Have they named him? They have named him. Uh, he is called Wally, and he is a Tenby walrus. Oh, no, he's a walrus in Tenby. <laughs> um, yeah. He's living his best walrus life. He's uh, a big old walrus. He's still, apparently, he's living a, a very, he's very content and safe living in uh, Wales, though he did, at one point, obstruct the ramp that uh, uh, sea rescue boats go out on so they couldn't rescue some surfers until they got him to move out of the way. Oh, no. Is he not lonely? Are walruses solitary creatures? I don't know. But um, he seems content. And they don't know. They haven't been able to get him to go home <laughs> <laughs> and he likes he's he, he likes being the center of attention mm-hmm. uh wally is the southernmost walrus ever spotted in the wild he's a good boy he's named a good after uh where's wally the british version of where's waldo because she's <sighs> hard to spot he's hard to spot they couldn't figure out his gender for a little while but they're pretty sure he's a dude Pretty, pretty sure it's okay. Doesn't, um, it it doesn't matter. Uh, he has a scar on one flipper, but it's long healed and doesn't seem to bother him. He seems to be about two years old. He is rapidly gaining weight, That's which is good. not a bad thing because he's a wild animal and they're supposed to be able to. Though normally they gain weight to prepare for the winter. Um, but like the RSPCA says, he's. Like, that's healthy, which is the Welsh Marine Life Rescue Organization. Um, they think they think it's totally fine that he is gaining a ton of weight. Um, he keeps trying to climb onto buoys and <laughs> falling off. Oh, I um, love him. <laughs> um, has he learned from this, folks? He has not. Folks, definitely um, not. Uh, there are several pictures of him uh, wearing accessories in his mustache-like shells. Um, but at one point, there was this picture, which I'm showing Sophia right now, of him with a starfish on his mustache. Oh my god, hang on. No, I'm going to pull it up because I can't really see it. Um... I'm reading these facts from the 
Western Telegraph article that is linked in the Tumblr post about this. He's just the most wonderful. I want to give him a big hug, but I think that would end badly for me. Yeah, he big. He big and me small. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but he is a good boy. You can get masks with Wally on them, apparently. (laughs) Wally the walrus flipped dinghy and tried to board fishing boat. (laughs) Oh, man. Flip dinghy. That's what I'm going to start saying when, like, something goes wrong. Oh, flip dinghy. Oh, man. We should give more story updates. Unfortunately, I can't remember like yesterday yeah so whenever i see people talking about stories that we have covered on social media and there's like something new about them i try to make a note of it but so far the the only ones that i've really seen updates on are like anytime i've given meg updates speaking of which your meg update of the week meg 2 (laughs) begins filming in january 2022 jason statham confirms seven months of net from now yeah so we have time we have time to try to get to be in this movie theoretically where where? we'd have to fly to like shanghai and try to get cast as extras in january that's a lot of work yeah (laughs) it will be really nice um in a lot of the filming locations in january though because didn't they do a lot of filming in the southern hemisphere yeah yeah um, but that is a lot of money, and I, I don't know if I – I don't know if it's worth it. I think it might be more worth it to try to – should we tweet at Jason Statham or somebody else in the cast every single day until uh, they inevitably don't respond? Um, I think we should just continue saying um, – uh, <clears throat> If you're listening to this, anyone involved with this movie, we love the Meg so much. Put us in your movie. Come come on our podcast and B, if you want us to be extras, we would love to be extras. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if, I mean, I would love to fly to Shanghai and I would love to fly anywhere and be part of this movie i would love to get eaten by a giant shark in a movie if you guys do any filming in massachusetts we'll be there <gasps> i don't know uh, why you'd be filming in massachusetts but maybe they're doing a jaws thing yeah um yeah. ben wheatley if you're listening to this ben mr wheatley mr wheatley we mr we wheatley series we love this movie and we would love to be a part of this. Yeah. Um, I Mr. Think Wheatley, come on our podcast. Mr. Wheatley, please come on our podcast. I would literally um, explode. I would bake you brownies. But they'd be, would they be gluten-free. You I can make, really make regular good. brownies. You, But the gluten-free brownies that you make are really good, though. Thank you. Um. The the key is chocolate pudding mix. Oh my god, you're right. You have told me that before. Also, have you seen that thing? Just to talk about the Mandalorian for a second, have you seen that thing about how both Oscar Isaac and Pedro Pascal both, both look like different Muppets? 
Oscar Isaac looks exactly like Sam the Eagle. I wouldn't say exactly. Not exactly, but like if he was going to be a Muppet, it would be Sam the Eagle. There's a difference between this man looks so much like this Muppet, it's uncanny. And if he was going to be any Have Muppet, you, he'd sorry, be Sorry, I'm going to pull up the picture. Um, You're going to eat do your you words. Who is the sexiest Muppet? Um, how can, how dare you ask me that question? I'm here to ask. <laughs> how, how fucking dare you ask me that? that how dare you answers. ask me that question? Um, we've been going for an hour and a half. We should maybe. How dare you? So what you're saying is it's Sam the Eagle, based on that picture you just held up. I am not saying it's not Sam the Eagle. Um, look at that. Come on, if you... I'm going to be honest, I don't really see it. But... He looks so much like... Sam the Eagle is so pointy, though, and Oscar Isaac... He looks so much like Sam the Eagle that in an interview, Pedro Pascal said he looked like Sam the Eagle. I don't know. (sighs) Anyway, you... This other other Muppet does kind of look like Pedro Pascal, though. Lou. Thank you so much for listening. You have heard the good news. He does. (laughs) <laughs> thank you so much for listening you have heard the good news what of- if i interrupted you again <laughs> thank Sorry. you so much for listening you have heard the good news about oh fuck what did we even start with um josh josh royale the josh fight you heard the good news about the josh fight you heard the good news about this the the um what is it called the project what's the name of the project I also had it pulled up. Um, hang on. Mm. I don't know. Was there was the did the project have a name that was mentioned in the article? Um, I thought it did, but it it does not. Appear. I'm looking at the article yeah. now. You heard it, the good news about the project whose name. Doesn't seem to be listed in this New York Times article. Hey, New York Times, do better. (laughs) About uh, doing ASL music videos for 10 songs by black female artists. Um, You have heard the good news about Jeff Goldblum. Um, And you you have heard the good news about this Beefson? Beef. No, Cowson. Cowson? Hang on. No, hang on. Let me. My Cowson. He is my Cowson. Biso Cow. Buddy the Biso Cow. You have heard the good news about Buddy the Biso Cow. And you heard us talk about. And you heard the good news about. You heard the good news update about Wally the Walrus. Yeah. In Tenby. Um, And you heard us talk about the Muppets, maybe, depending on whether or not I cut that out. And the Meg. And the Meg. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. I have been Dylan slash Kat. I have been Sophia. Good night and good news.
and I will catch you on the flip side.